make good drinking games every time there's oh. petal imagery or like water <laughs> imagery or someone cries or I'm not gay. Yeah. <laughs> You'd literally be dead by the end of the thing. And like the fiance shows up. And oh my like, god, yes. I'm already I'm already engaged to a woman. A rose hitting the ground in slow motion. Drink the whole drink. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how we're going to record this podcast. So we've just spent the last, what was it, 45 minutes talking about Yaoi anime. <laughs> Realising the only people on this tragedy is each other and me and Nima. <laughs> Maybe we saw that in each other. Like, it's not come up in our friendship before, but we knew we it I feel like I've been able to like watch and laugh. I feel like an indulgent parent, you know, and you're like, ah, my two children. Look at them bonding over this silly thing that they both. We should um, rewatch all the like old shitty yaoi anime and make a podcast about it. Because it would just make you sad and angry. (laughs) No, you just have to get real hysterical. And that's the way to watch them. Hmm. If we watch one episode of Oran and like an entire season of another shitty one and release it once per month. (laughs) Now we'd watch the yaoi and then cleanse ourselves in Oran, which is not something you should be able to do. If you've got to cleanse yourself with Oran, what are you doing? Oh, wait. Comparative essay between Oran High School and Les Mis. I'm here for it. Whatever it is you have to say. I don't know the link, but I want it. What, what link are you making? Oh, Jean. I'm, Jean Valjean is Haruhi. Like, paying for oh, a crime. Oh, no. Okay. Society. Keep... Yeah. And, like... Doing better for the community and teaching people not about riches, like with Jean Valjean, but about the power of like love and like compassion for your fellow human. Uh, adopting a small child, honey. And then the one with Beelzebub the cursed doll. Oh he has yeah. A sister. <laughs> Who is blonde? Who is and blonde? Blue-eyed? Yeah. Cosette. Yeah, Cosette. So basically, Oran High School is an adaptation of Les Mis by Victor Hugo. <laughs> and then there's this one guy who catches Jean Valjean in the act and forces him for a paper crimes, <laughs> and then they fall in love. <laughs> Can you imagine Tamaki is Javert? It'd be Kiyoya. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because Kiyoya is constantly chasing Haruhi yeah, with the reminders yeah, of the debt. Yeah. <laughs> Food? Bread, fatty tuna, <laughs> fancy tuna, fancy tuna. It's fatty tuna. Oh, I, I, I watched the dub. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, this is Bread and Barricades, the <laughs> lamest podcast, where. We're talking about Muriel again. This is Nemo. I have a cold. (coughs) (laughs) I got so excited about talking about Yaoi. And it like powered me through a conversation. But now we're not talking about shitty Yaoi anime. Um, Energy's gone down. gone down the hill. So yeah, I'll probably interject with coughs at some point. I use they them pronouns and I'm your moderator. 
<laughs> I'm Grace, I'm your book reader, and I also use they them pronouns. <laughs> What's your fun thing of this week? Fun thing? Mm-hmm. Not yaoi trash? No. no. I thought I was straight for a really, really <laughs> long time. This is Grace, and I'm wearing the same socks that I was wearing last time. <laughs> oh Am I? Was I wearing these We discussed them in great detail. <laughs> I'm Grace. I'm your book reader, and I am apparently wearing the same socks <laughs> as I was last time we re- re- recorded. This is Stevie, your secondary researcher. She, her, the trashiest one here? I don't think... Mm, debate. I, f- I feel like... Joint emperors? Yeah. I feel like you're both trashy. I feel like <laughs> Stevie just owns up to it more. Yeah. Like <laughs> I have more of the shame. Unapologetically yeah. trash empress. Mm. Own it, Stevie. Yeah. I couldn't have owned that moment any harder. It was it was great. It was it was liberating to <laughs> to be a part of. Yeah. And speaking of liberty <laughs> <laughs> This week this... something's open that hasn't been open for a while. The library <laughs> oh. I, I, I was like where are you going with this? I feel like there's a reference here that I'm not getting. We're not making up. We're not like getting our own references yes, now. Yes. It has been so long since I've yeah. done the correct research. Yeah, but you also you like you had the basis for this research a long time ago. Also, <laughs> we don't confer between or before episodes, yeah. and I'm not reading the thing. And this stuff doesn't happen in the movie, which I've now seen. So I've just been like, maybe they're gonna talk about this this week. <laughs> The Reign of Terror. The Reign of Terror? And then Chris is like, that's not... The Reign of Terror. <laughs> so we start back with our favourite bad boy, Bishop Moral. Moral. Bishop Morals. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically, there's a ancien conventionnel. I don't really know what it is, but it's a revolutionary. And we meet the revolutionary who is living in a valley and no one ever visits him because he's a sad boy. Well, basically, the the idea, no one wants to associate with a revolutionary because of his terrible evilness. And even the only reason that he's alive, supposedly, rather than having been executed, is because that he didn't vote for the execution of the king. So he is living a quarter of a mile, three quarters of a mile outside of Dean where um, Bishop Morals is. The interesting thing about this chapter is that Bishop Muriel doesn't want to visit him. He is super morally made uncomfortable by this guy. Like every time he, like he, there's, he sets out to visit him multiple times and keeps turning back because he is, he's literally described as like the revolutionary inspires in him a kind of repugnance bordering on hatred, like because of which gives you takes it back to right at the beginning because he was obviously exiled from the country in this time. Humanize an interesting humanizer. The scene seventeen ninety three. Yeah, tell us about the terror, Stevie, please. What is the terror? So the reason that Muriel and no one else will come see this revolutionary, is it's referring to the Reign of Terror, 1793, 
which was the first of many times, it turns out, that France was like, let's get rid of the monarchy! Bring them back! No, we didn't like them! Bring them back again! Does France ever do that? (laughs) Well, this is where I was worried and, like, messaged Nemo a couple days after a shit ton of research, like, "Mm, wait wait a second, am I actually doing the right thing? Because they did this a lot of times. They just keep... Bringing back the monarchy and having to put up barricades again. This was the first of them. And yeah, so it was a reign of terror, but uh, there was like, in Paris, over 2,000 people were executed. And over all of France, like a rough figure of like 16,000. And that's just of ones that were reported because they were really into like keeping records. Yeah, so this was the first time they sort of brought down the monarchy, which was the Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake! Everyone hated them. Uh, Sort of rise up of the people. But even after the first uh, revolutionary government came in, there was already factions that, like, they get in and they're already like, and we hate each other! (laughs) That within a couple years, the people were like, actually, we were really into this. Now you... What's going? You're making us pay for things, and actually, everything's really horrible. We've killed a lot of people. None of us trust each other. Let's get rid of the revolutionaries again. So the sixteen thousand people that were killed were all aristocracy. So, like, so that was a lot of the thing was getting rid of anyone with royal ties, Mm. aristocracy, Mm. really rich people, and then there became this sort of like culture of that was anti-revolutionary my neighbor said something bad he should also be executed but it was all it, it was always bad, happens bad right times it happens god damn it and it was while i was doing research on this and i was like the the foreign policy and the what was the word committee of public safety <laughs> <laughs> It was well, I was trying to like take in these words and remember this thing that I learned about when I was like 11. That I was like, wait a second, this is familiar, the Scarlet Pimpernel. So I reread that whole book last week. And even though it's probably not, it's definitely not the most accurate, it was written maybe 100 years later, but by like a lady. And it was, I think, started the genre of like a man in disguise. Yeah, it's like the first deeds. vigilante um, thing. It's often it's the, quoted the, the, to be. The yeah. free Batman, Batman. Yeah, <coughs> before Zorro. Uh, there's a really good um, Valjean Javert fic, by the way. Uh, the vigilante. Oh. The Scarlet it's Vigilante. Like, is it called, like, not all heroes wear capes or something, something like, like that? Something like that, yeah. I'll put it in the, yeah. the show notes. It's really mm, good. It's, it's really, really good. cute. It's, I think it's, like, yeah. very slow burn. Mm, that's yeah. cute as hell, though. But reading fiction based in a time period kind of does help you get to grips a little bit better. Like with, social context. Yeah, because mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, so this is also set 1793. Oh, okay, so this dude is from the Committee of Public Safety. Oh, okay, a lot of people are being executed. Mm-hmm. Is it the Committee of Public Safety that were the, like, the big brother that people were reporting yeah, to? Yeah, mm-hmm. so there was... When they first put this revolutionary government in place, they were like, okay, we're gonna, we're all going to vote for things and vote for people to represent us, and no one's gonna have all of the power. Mm. Um, 
And because there was these two major factions who held most of that power that uh, neither had authority without the other sort of allowing it, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. has made me think of like current America where things can't really Mm -hmm. happen because neither of you agree with each other. And I guess sort of here as well, Mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, yeah. But that was also a problem they were having way back when and we've just learned nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, Uh, at the time of writing this, the US government is in shutdown. So writing, recording this, I said that. Yeah, the government is in shutdown in America, so no government facilities are working. Is it right now again? Yeah. America. 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 So no one learned anything ever throughout all of history. Um, that, I mean, history. history. <laughs> like, yeah. subtitled, no one learned anything. <laughs> the reason, well, that he writes a lot about these historical events, and it's to educate his readers with respect to their political opportunities and the hope that they will renounce their... He basically wants, through his bringing up these historical events, to be like, look at these other times these things have happened. And he wants to mobilise the bourgeois class, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of like through this book, in taking uh, action against Napoleon's regime. It's really interesting because I hadn't even thought about it who the intended audience for Lehmann's was, like when he was writing it, or who was he writing yeah. it for? That I've got other books like that as well. Mm-hmm. That could this be a thing? That is, when we've had a couple more moments, I can be like, okay, so calling on these various acts, things that have, we've spoken mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. before, but under now a different umbrella of mm-hmm. why was he doing that? Yeah, so, so basically. Victor Hugo is writing Les Mis and making up Bible passages to teach the bourgeois <laughs> yeah. to be better yeah. and to get on their game about being political. Yeah. Like, because if he released an essay about this is why you should be political, nobody yeah, would read, no it. read it. But if you write a novel. <laughs> but that's why we need it. <laughs> no, but like eventually, um, there's this young boy who like runs into, into Dean looking for a doctor because this revolutionary is ill and he says he's dying, you know, and Bishop Muriel finally gets the, like, kick up his ass that he needs to be like, okay, I've got to do this. Like, I've got to, like, face my distaste for this man and, like, and actually go and visit him. So he, like, beats his way through the undergrowth to get to, like, this guy's house with this little boy leading him. And it's, like, he's sitting outside his house like watching the sunset and you know even though he's 85 he only looks 60 <laughs> and I'm like starting to notice a pattern of I don't know whether it's like a morality thing that people don't age in like moral people don't age mm. in um, in Mis. or he or Victor Hugo was just getting really worried about his age <laughs> <laughs> he's like even though he was 85, he, he still only looked, looked 20. <laughs> he could still lift a whole beam. <laughs> oh, do you even lift though, for real? Like, and um, there's a, like, this exchange is so salty and it's just, it's not, well, okay, so Muriel is, is always salty, but it's like cold. There's a coldness to it, like explicitly. So the revolutionary... It's like, oh, you're the first person to ever visit me all my life. It's so nice to see you. Who are you? And he's like, oh, you may call me like Biavu Muriel. He's like, are you the bishop? Are you my bishop? He's like, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
He held out his hand, but the bishop did not take it. <laughs> he merely said, I am glad to see that I have been misinformed. You certainly don't look very ill. And it's just like, it's like... Oh, and also, God. like, that he introduced himself as Bonvenu and, like... Bonvenu, yeah. Actually, that's interesting as well, because that's the name that he was given by the people. Yeah, rather than, like, um, bish- I'm the bishop, though. Because, like, he could have been, like, hardcore, yes, yes I am I Bishop am Francois bishop. Muriel, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> but he does still call himself Bonvenu. But it's like also because um, the revolutionary is pretty much referred to exclusively as the man of the people. Mm. So it's like that setting them on equals. Mm. Like there's a lot, there's quite a lot of parallels drawn in between them in like quite interesting ways and like things like that. I think is quite a cool one. But like they sort of bounce back on each other in like moral, mm. in moral ways. But considering that the bishop goes to basically do his death rites, right? And then it's like, so, you know your politics, right? <laughs> like, like, he's like, yeah, he starts doing these death rites and he says, you are to be congratulated. He said in a cold voice, at least you did not vote for the death of the king. And it's like, defend yourself to me, motherfucker. Like, I would have told him to fuck off. Like, and then they, like about like ignorance being the true tyrant that they were trying to overthrow and that kind of stuff and then we get to 1793 and i figured that there was a big big fucking deal of a situation going on there because they talk about um louis the 17th he was executed they They probably guillotined him yeah marie internet definitely guillotined yeah they so these sort of department heads uh, we're all meant like, to be voting for like each thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, revolutionary heads? If that feels Revolutionary better. heads um, of department. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that they were meant to all be voting on do we execute these people? And like, generally, yes. I didn't know that they voted actually. I thought they just executed everyone. That seems well, to be the rhetoric yeah. in like, mm. and just, oh well, yeah, and then they, they executed everyone. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, because there was meant to be more power in each of these different little like you represent this little area mm. you represent this little area but in the end pretty much all the power was in the committee of public safety mm. <laughs> <laughs> which i'm gonna draw a line around <laughs> that's, a that's a that's a good um like dy- dystopian name yeah and then like like... committee of general security yeah but like at least committee of like um committee of general security is like explicit it's no because committee of general security could be like anything like is it like yeah i suppose the security of you or the people like like, can they come into your home yeah yeah well that's where it all I think they would work together, like the Committee of Public Safety and the Committee of Public Security or whatever, and it's like, what do they do? Nobody knows. Public Security, that's a really spooky one. Yeah. That That gives me the heebies. It was a time full of heebies and also (laughs) jeebies. In 1973. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I suppose they called it the Reign of Terror for a reason, I guess. (laughs) So that was kind of a thing researching this that sort of surprised me 
And I was like, okay, we've got a revolutionary boy. First thing I sort of found was people being like, oh, yeah, Bishop Muriel, low-key, high-key hated him. And I was like, okay, isn't this a book about revolution? What was going on? Yeah, oh, well, not a good revolution. Moralize yeah. yeah, and that, like, so no one goes to visit him because the public opinion went really quickly downhill. But then, so, rereading The Scarlet Pimpernel, they, like, set in 1793. Uh, everyone in France in this book is, like, super, super on board with what's going on. But written from a point of view that's, like, very anti-this, like, she was a baroness, the writer. <laughs> so, of course, she's like, how fucking dare. This was awful. And these poor aristocrats. That are like, okay, so... It's this sort of, yeah, strange thing of it was anti-aristocrats, which is kind of what a bit of lame is sort of about. And is you know, they want more rights. That was kind of how this revolution started. What was the public opinion at the time? It mm. seems no one's going to visit this guy. They didn't like that Here this thing happened. it's really negative. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really negative. Because, um, I mean, for, obviously for Muriel, who we've had, like, so far being, like, Yes, and then I like charmed all the thieves, and they gave me all of the all of the good robes like that they had stolen. Like it was quite a, it's quite a like a thing to see him speaking like openly unpleasantly to someone when he can like just be charming even when he's talking to someone who he really doesn't like. But there's like a throughout the conversation, you see him slowly being swayed, like. Or pretty much despite himself like he doesn't want to be and they're like and this re- it's really interesting to see him being taught by someone else like like he's being like almost like moralized at by someone else which is really really interesting to see there's the like um he bring um muriel brings up the the dead son of Louis the Sixteenth and Marie Antoinette, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they're they're talking about um what happened in in 1793 and you know he goes and Louis the Seventeenth, and then the revolutionary says you know it's are who are you weeping for are you are you weeping for a murdered child or are you like because if you're weeping for a murdered child I will weep with you, but if you're weeping for the death of a royal then you need to consider all this that and the other and he brings up the case of the um the younger brother of one of the famous revolutionaries was like was also murdered you know in uh, i think a more recent time yeah for for only because he was the brother of this revolutionary like cartouche is, is his name come up at, at all I, I don't know anything about him I'm um, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about them either. And it's sort of, and it's really interesting, because the because um he goes ah, oh, and the bishop says I do not care for the association of names, and um, and the revolutionary goes oh Cartouche or uh, or Louis the Sixteenth. To which do you object? There's like all of the there's just this constant undermining of someone who we've seen as. The most smart. The most smart, the most mm. moral. Infallible. Infallible, yeah. The the purest boy the whole time. It's really, really interesting. There's 
I think my favorite bit is um so, yeah um the like I I will weep for you you know we'll we'll weep for all, all innocent children, um, it says. Uh, I will weep with you for the children of kings if you will weep with me for the children of the people. And Bishop Mira says, I, I weep for them all. And um, the revolution replies, ah, but equally. And if the balance is to be tilted either way, then it must be on the side of the people for they have suffered longer. Then they just have to like, just tilt it back with our boy a little bit again. They have to just, they can't, it's Hugo, right? And it's, it's you know, it's his perfect boy. So the um, the revolutionary goes all ad hominem on him, and, and it's like, yeah, but what do you know? Because you're a bishop and you earn loads of money and you came here in a carriage and like and you have a stipend of twenty five thousand francs a year, and, and the bishop doesn't say anything. He is such a good pure boy. <laughs> it doesn't look like. You know, he eats all of this stuff about all of the exotic foods that he eats and like all of the stuff that you do is, oh yeah, it was um, your carriage in which you journey in the name of Christ who went barefoot, you know, it's all like, like, yeah. I was just, sorry, when you said all of the exotic fruits, foods that you can eat, yeah. like my first thought was like, oh, you know, like India or something or they've yeah. like imported bananas or something. And then my brain went to... Um, that anime I was talking about the the um, the magician's bride the magician's wife oh uh, yeah your mess um, or something like that yeah um, but like it's set in England and this girl's never been in England before and she's like sat down at this like breakfast <laughs> no dinner or something and they're like oh help yourself to all of this food meatloaf fish and chips <laughs> and like I think there's like a trifle or something weird and it's like this like um small just... coffee table and they just like put it out. oh and there's like scones and cream cloth and someone cream. googled English food yeah. Yeah. No, but it was like it was drawn so like it was drawn exactly like the artist had obviously gone on a research trip to Japan, uh, to London, and had like taken so many really good photos and had drawn them on the way back. Oh, and like baked beans and eggs oh, and God. stuff. And it was like <laughs> exotic foods <laughs> in Australia. In the exotic animals at the zoo, there's guinea pigs. <laughs> and he was like, "What? <laughs> what? Do you want to have pet guinea pigs in yeah. Australia? That's wild." So we're all gonna be putting. Exotic is what you make of it. (laughs) Fuck fuck the culture of exoticism, though, right? Like, for real. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, I think I made up the thing about the exotic foods. It's just just waterfowl. It's just, like, it just just added to the spiel spiel I was making. That it was that sort of, yeah. He eats more hen on a Friday. (laughs) Basically the same as meatloaf. Yeah, basically the same as meatloaf is fine. (laughs) So it's all that sort of, like, what is that dramatic irony because we the reader are like there's uh-huh. nothing about we know. <laughs> yeah it's like i feel like it's hugo just like settling the score a little bit because yeah. we've had him constantly being undercut mm. and then and muriel not being like well actually yeah no he don't like he just sits there and you know the bishop says gently like it's all it's all yeah wait does the bar the, the, the does um moral man correct him or not no yeah, no, nope. I, I just shook my head. I just shook my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's nothing, and um, and all except what the bishop does is he says, 
um, oh, but you will have to explain to me how my carriage, my loaded table, the moorhen I eat on Fridays, my palace, my retainers, my 25,000 francs income. You have to explain to all of me um, like how this proves your point. Basically, he just debate tactic undercuts him, frankly, with it. And then the revolutionary apologist pretty much actually says, look, actually, that was tasteless of me, <laughs> pretty much. Well, to be fair, like, if you didn't know about Bishop Muriel and, like, and you were like, well, what the fuck do you know about the people? Mm. Like, you live in your high tower, and yeah. the bishop's like, what about my high tower? Yeah. Like, it wouldn't make me be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'd just feel like, yeah, what about it? Yeah, yeah, the thing is, though, is that we said, we, the revolutionary apologising goes, like, Oh, we're discussing my my um, ideas and I should answer you in terms of reason. Your wealth and privileges afford me advantage in debate, which is tasteless to me. I will, shall not refer to them again. But if I was talking to a straight person yeah. about, like, and they were like, oh, I, don't, I would not be, oh, your privileges afford me <laughs> yeah. an advantage. I would be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm ending up on the revolutionary side here. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Yeah, mm. like a straight white rich person being like, yeah. "What about oh, my money?" <laughs> no, but it's like for like that. I'm sorry, like the like, I should answer you in reason. It's such a like Reddit atheist. <laughs> 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 like it's such it is such Victor Hugo bullshit. <laughs> and like it's not using the dramatic irony well because it that then makes it seem like the revolu- revolutionary like knows whatever and even without the riches even if Muriel did go oh you know I gave all this away mm, to charity mm. and stuff the revolutionary could be like well you're still a bishop like you still yeah. have privileges yeah. even if you don't yeah. like mm. take them up even if you do mm. like donate them to charity and stuff you coming into a room you are you are a bishop yeah and exactly people must defer to you so what what is the vibe we're meant to be getting the, the, end of the revolutionary was in, was in the right yeah oh okay because the the bishop comes comes around to him the, like throughout there's like little inserts of him you know the bishop was almost sorry that he had come yet he felt obscurely and strangely moved that like he sort of slowly gets more and more like oh fuck like oh no this guy is kind of yeah in the right paused before i'm really sorry i'll forget if i don't say it now when you paused before and you were just turning the pages i was like alternate universe where the name is podcast is just you reading the print <laughs> and recording the sound of you turning the pages and i had a really vivid image of it like i had a really vivid image of it being like the actual podcast and that this was like speaking about it was weird <laughs> I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> Some people have violent intrusive thoughts, and then there's Nima. <laughs> I'm like hallucinating. <laughs> Come back next next week for more of Brace Turning Pages. <laughs> Your such favorite a sound. I can like hear the like firecracker. <laughs> Grace in a big plush armchair. We're sat at their feet. Tell us a story. <laughs> but it wasn't even that they were like telling the story. It was literally just. <laughs> you looked into another universe and it looked like. 
haven't, um, uh, if you haven't watched Star Trek Discovery, Dr. Stamets. The castle! They're in the castle. I really need to go to the toilet, I'm sorry. Pause. Pause. You can carry on talking, just pretend to be here. I was, like, trying to type really quietly, so I'm just, like, or, like, I'm trying to type whilst you guys are talking, so it wouldn't, but I was just, like, going, Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> well, what so what is on your screen like all i can see is the ponies and i'm like mm-hmm. um russian folk music because i'm i'm doing another project and mm-hmm. it's they they want me to write like a um, russian celtic music mix thing i'm just like okay, okay. and so I i'm guess. like listening to this yeah. for like this is like my my homework as in like okay, yeah. this play in the background yeah. so which is why when you came in here like earlier just like I, mean, I just assumed oh, it was it just the like background music. Yeah. yeah, it was just how you live your life. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like listening to really weird music. <laughs> I mean, you're a composer. Like, you can't have my head. This is me doing homework. Yeah, yeah, for real, though. Like, it's the niche. Like, when you're actually in, in a field, you get to see the weird niche stuff, yeah. right? Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That makes sense. Are there any, like, niche horse related things then? There is in my industry. Oh, oh, uh. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that way, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I literally spent all day yesterday at like a trade event, like oh, not yeah. even trading horses, like. Like horse accessories? Horse. Or accessories for yeah, horses? Yeah, specifically. But in like, like the, like, like a combination of medical sense and like sporting sort of sense. When you say accessories for horses, it sounds like bracelets. I mean, there was, there was, oh, there was a fashion show. Really? Well, oh my God. Bracelets? <laughs> yeah, but oh my God. I've never watched like anything like that before. But because it's all like horse stuff. It's like people coming on in riding hats and body protectors and they're all like marching on the spot and (laughs) there was like choreography and stuff and it was so awful. So there was an actual dance number kind of thing. It was so bad, Jade. I cannot even tell you. It was all like, like literally like, like people like coming out, like coming out of the, the, the thing where people come out of in a fashion show and it was just like, and then the next person would be like, <laughs> and, <it's> like <laughs> and then someone would like the, and like the last person would come and they'd be like ah! and it was just like <laughs> and it was like and the, there was a thing in the middle that like rotated and there were like seven people like stood around in like different like <laughs> Online. <laughs> it would be yeah. beta B E T A. How do you hashtag that picture? <laughs> beta um, International 2018. Um, Equithem. When was it though? Yesterday. Oh, that's it! <laughs> this is 2016. 2017. Probably the same, right? Like. <laughs> this is enough like it already. <laughs> <laughs> Like this is the thing. Like if it was just like walking up and down the fucking catwalk. It oh was no, there's more. 
those back concerts. Oh, no, that was... <laughs> oh, it was the best thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh, oh no! no! Ribbon twirling. Oh, God. It's not like a male version of this. There were guys in the one yesterday. With ribbons? They didn't have ribbons. No, they were marching. It was very serious. Look at their souls leaving their bodies. Their hair is gone. You think this is bad? They just got some random guys. It's the same guy. The one with the hair and the beard. It's Jackie the same Boy's guy. Jackie living. Look at him. Like, hey guys, do you know how to like do hip hop kind of dancing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can pop band or look. <laughs> it's the same guy. Oh my god. I actually accidentally made eye contact with him yesterday. When the video post can be like, um, sorry, who's that guy? Because I made eye contact with him and now he's my soulmate. <laughs> oh god, imagine that fake folks. <laughs> so easily. Okay, Jean Valjean Javert, which who's the horse boy? If it's the same one with the like um Javert being the head of police on the Oh my god dancing horses. None of these are as bad. Ooh, edgy and black. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the Dallas um, limos. We need to finish recording this. How do we, yeah. Yeah. we get back on track? Fuck, where even were we? I've got someone from Tumblr's thoughts. Yeah, tell us some thoughts. <laughs> so, bloggish from Tumblr, whose permission I have oh, to discuss their you. thoughts. Um, when I was fu- the first week I thought we were doing this before Christmas, and I was like, fuck, I'm not prepared. Revolutionary! The first thing I came across was this post by Bloggish that their sort of general opinion and vibe of this chapter is that, yeah, it's kind of surprising how bitter Muriel is and that, uh, but yeah, what you were saying, the revolutionary kind of wins this chapter. Uh, even like Muriel sort of starts the to learn end, something. I'd say that the end does equals. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that. Muriel doesn't fully let go, maybe, of some of that bitterness, or at least that, so that's kind of the opinion I got from this post, and that uh, it's only when he gives the silver to JJ mm. that he's, like, achieving the clemency and forgiveness that, like, he couldn't quite achieve here, mm. so that he doesn't can't, like, fully let go of his yeah. past until, like, this later point where he's, like, it's not, like, let me... Because we've said that before as mm. well, haven't we? That like him, that him sort of get like giving that up is him trying to let go of the yeah. thing that he's been holding so, on to. Uh, the sort of conclusion of this thing was uh, forgiveness of Jean Valjean. I just keep writing it as JJ. Mm. Uh, is not just a conquering of the flawed society that first condemned Valjean. It is a conquering of Muriel's own flawed human nature. Mm. Mm-hmm. So is at this point sort of is what shows us. For the first time, maybe, that Muriel is flawed? There's actually, that explains something that I've been wondering a little bit about. That he doesn't, there's a, um, it sort of, it ratchets up the tempo of the bishop getting on his side until pretty much this, like, this old man is is dying. Like, and he sort of said, he says, I know I will die within the next three hours sort of thing somehow. 
Um, and it's actually Victor Hugo. He's actually God. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> right, like, and um, the bishop goes, I agree with you in all, in all ways, except all of you revolutionaries are atheists. So, and if you are an atheist, you must be evil. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, no, an atheist is an evil leader of the human race. Yeah, wow. like legit, right? Like, this is oh. coming out of the left field. <laughs> yeah, is we, it? I would say the right field. Uh, <laughs> right <way. laughs> that was a bad joke, sorry. Um, yeah, but and then um, the old man gazes, gazes side, sideways. It's not very gazes. He doesn't side-eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> us side-eyeing. <laughs> he gazes skywards and I don't really understand. Because he, he says, oh, thou who art perfection, um, thou who alone exists, the infinite has being, it is there. If infinity has no self, then self would not be, but it is, therefore it has a self. The self of infinity is God. And I don't know whether it's him on the point of death realising that God exists. I'm not 100% sure what the point mm. that they're making. When I read it, I thought that he suddenly... He saw the pearly gates, as yeah, it were. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. you reading that out to me, I, my initial reaction to mm. that is maybe not so much he sees the Christian God, mm. but that he's like, there is something, everything is from something, not, mm. maybe it's not necessarily the Christian God, mm. but there is a something that we all come from and mm. all share, maybe? Mm. So, mm. I, wonder wh- I wondered whether it was like, the, the logic god in the way of like there is there is an unknowable infinity and that's mm. something holy but it, it's so I don't think even Victor Hugo would be like and then he saw and then god. he saw god <laughs> and like that was the thing that yeah. was I was like wait so wait he suddenly what <laughs> mm-hmm. but maybe like realized that he was open to the possibility of believing I mean I suppose we have had a whole scene where the bishop comes in going look I don't believe in you. Mm. And maybe the the understanding has gone both ways yeah. in that way, and that's how we can get redemption, mm. like redemption in air quotes. Um, the cool bit that relates to what you said is that the um, revolutionary has his final soliloquy of um, there were abuses and I fought against them, tyrannies and I destroyed them, rights and principles and I asserted them, our country was invaded and I defended it, etc, etc. It carries on for a little while. And um, it talks about how he could have corrupted himself and taken from the wealth that they had um, accumulated, but he lived He lived um, in poverty. He tore up altar cloths, it is true, but it is. it was only to bind our country's wounds. Like, it's all, all very nice. And... Um, he comes back, comes back down to like, um, I have accepted the isolation of hatred, hating no one. Now at the age of 86, I am on the point of death. What do you ask of me? And the bishop, the, all the bishop says, he just says, your blessing and falls to his knees. That is very guanter. But he doesn't get it. Mm. He dies. The, um, he, at when at length the bishop raised his head, there was a look of grandeur on the old man's face. He had died, so he doesn't receive it. Mm. Ah, so, he, so you would agree with this reading that so that because he died without it, he hasn't yet mm. completed. Yeah, his own flawed. Mm. 
until Jean Valjean and he can then be like, I passed the torch. <laughs> yeah. And now yeah. I am also yeah. cleaned of my sin, yeah. my bitterness. Mm. It's true. It's there's like it. He becomes he becomes quite like self. He's absorbed in thought. Yeah, mm. he, he becomes really reflective afterwards, and of course. Everyone in the in the town is like, oh, that old scoundrel's dead. Like, like, and it says that he he withdraws every time um, some and someone mentions him, and they, it keeps. Um, when on the next day, a few opportunists sought out to question him about the man of the people. He merely pointed to the sky, which is interesting because that's where that's hey, where that's he, where the heaven is. That's where the heaven is. <laughs> but it's also like the the revolutionary mm-hmm. looks to the sky mm-hmm. where he goes. You know, thou art whatever you thou art. I know that sounds like really poetic and stuff, but when I'm like imagining it, like pointing up to the sky isn't like a graceful thing. It's just yeah, like. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> well, there. Where is he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a super. That's a super meta question. <laughs> You're asking me, a bishop, like. You know where I think. Yeah, basically, it comes across that he is unsettled by the whole experience, and there's a lot. The next, the next bunch of chapters, which I can't see that we're going to have time to talk about, is uh, basically I had three. I had headings for each of them that basically summed up. They're all like character examinations. Nothing hashtag happens in them. Like it's all like uh, one of them is. Oh, yeah, no, there was a really good quote in this one, though, that I really liked. This chapter is chapter number 11. I was about to say which comes after chapter number 10. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, yes, it does, yes. And um, (coughs) this one is the one that I would entitle Muriel Doesn't Care for Politics. (laughs) But it's really because it it talks about how, you know, he's not a philosopher, he doesn't care about politics. And then... um, uh, certainly a man such as he would have been better without political opinions and here we must not be understood for we are not confusing what are called political opinions with the belief in progress and the high patriotic democratic and human faith which these days must be the basis of all large-minded thinking nice nice <laughs> so next time someone says to you stop bringing your politics into this <laughs> say say that <laughs> Next one is called The Loneliness of Monsignor Bienvenu. That one is... Does this come after chapter 11? Yeah, it that's chapter 12, which okay. comes after chapter 11. Oh, thank you. And the, the theme of this one, I seem to remember, is that he doesn't like success. Yes, he doesn't like success. <laughs> Bishop Muriel doesn't like some things. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's like each one is a character study on, on Bishop Muriel, like, and it basically boils down to he doesn't like success it's like (laughs) it's quite an interest one that i thought kind of linked to the society that we live in a little bit in the like um we live in a squalid society success colon that is the message seeping drop by drop down from the overriding corruption is maybe a remark that passing that success is an ugly thing it's kind of that always seeking for more like being unhappy by not being content which mm. uh, maybe and also like like only valuing yourself by what success that sort of benchmark. you have yeah. yeah and um and it discusses like an arbitrary success 
here mm. as well it's not it's like you're successful because you achieve welfare it's like societal arbitrary benchmarks for success mm. rather than there was that post i think it was on twitter or something which was like um people with disabilities are only seen as like important to society if they're able to work to, yeah or like or able to inspire people yeah <laughs> like, and and you know like people with people with autism are like ranked on how good they are to society by mm-hmm. whether they can like incorporate themselves with society mm-hmm. it's like mm, how successful are you yeah. in like joining society and can you be a real person mm-hmm. who does real mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. yeah how about you just be like everyone else please mm. like there's another cute quote, another cute one, which comment, which is about like the like sort of fake standards for success, which is quite good fun. Um, they confound the brilliance of the firmament, firmament with the star-shaped footprints of a duck in the mud, <laughs> which I thought was quite good. I quite like that. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't know what I just like the means, imagery. but I like the imagery. <laughs> what does firmament mean? I hoped it wouldn't come up. <laughs> you brought it up. I brought it up. So I just hope that you would be like, "Wow, it's a real nice one." I'm trying to. I'm trying to ask when I don't understand things now. Yeah, I respect that, but I don't know what it means. So <laughs> now I need to look it up. What was the sentence again? Can I have it in the sentence? Can you have it in the sentence? <laughs> that was the sentence. They confound the brilliance of the firmament with the star-shaped footprints of a duck in the mud. Firmament. Oh, it's the heavens or the sky. So replace firmament with heavens and read it again. (laughs) They confound the brilliance of the heavens with the star-shaped footprints of a duck in the mud. So the the context is is, uh, the first few are um, the profiteer who supplies the army of the sombre et muse with boots soles of cardboard and earns himself an income of 400,000 a year the huckster who espouses a Suri and brings her to bed of 7 or 8 millions, the preacher who becomes a bishop by loudly braying, it's like people... mother courage somewhere well Grace looked to me as well to be like yeah. eight children I've never like, seen what? a brecht before and I was like well, I've seen a brecht by now and I thought it would be really like you know because Brecht is always brought out in class, like, oh, yes, and then Brecht obviously does it like this. And I went to see it, and it was like, this oh, woman, it's like a musical, and she's like... It's so much, though. It's so much. Yeah, it's like war profiteering and stuff like that. Yeah. Brecht is famous for writing what happens in the next scene at the beginning of the scene. So rather than it being like, um, what's going to happen, it's how's it going to happen. So in Mother Courage, um, in one scene it says um, one of Mother Courage's children gets shot um, when he asks for f- when she goes to find him, blah blah blah. And so rather than you thinking, oh no, is he going to get shot? Is he going to get shot? You're thinking he's going to get shot, but how is he going to okay. get shot? And so like that. So like taking how usual plays are written and making yeah, basically making your audience ask different questions. Okay. Brecht for beginners. Brecht for beginners. <laughs> I mean, that's what I understand to be Brecht anyway. Mm. I also didn't know that you did uh, the Therapy Opera. Therapy Opera. Because opera was really expensive, mm. you basically just wrote an opera oh. where you only had to pay Therapy yeah. to 
to get in. And it was like the Commoners Opera or whatever. That's right. Um, it's really good. It had um, Gato Chocolat, this drag queen that I really like the, in the it. The babe who was in um, The Globe. In yeah. Twelfth Night. Yeah. That's why I wanted to that's why I wanted to go see that because yeah. She was awesome. She was so underused in that. Yeah, she was. She don't see anything. Apparently. No, Nima goes see everything and then sometimes I go with them <laughs> and I feel civilized. <laughs> <laughs> I just I get taken mm. on the Ben Wishel ones, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I never made it to the globe this year. I hated all of the globe things. Okay, I didn't mm. miss out. <laughs> no. Kinda racist, kinda sexist, oh, kinda transphobic. I think the most horrifying thing was that, like, like all, all like the audience lapped it yeah. up. Mm. Like everyone was laughing and like, haha, and we were just like slightly horrified. In the back. And like the Antonio Sebastian thing. Usually they kind of like do a little bit of like, haha, is it gay? And then this woman was like, they're not gay! Oh, it's God. not gay, guys! <laughs> yeah. Fuck. So when I went to see Twelfth Night at the National Theatre last year, they kissed! And I was like, oh, that's, that's really gay. cool. And they got to the intermission, and then after the intermission, it was just like, hey, you know, no, I was just experimenting. Hello, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, go to prison. Ha, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And I was like, <laughs> And the, I remember it was, being live blogged that you were so yeah. hyped before the intermission, yeah, and then afterwards so I was she like, "How is left. the rest of it?" And you were like, "Don't even talk to me." Because they made Marvolio a girl, Marvolia, uh. and she was still interested in Olivia, and so it was like lesbians. And then it was like, "Oh, I'm a dirty, creepy lesbian who uh. really fancies young girls." Uh. It was like, "No." And like, it, usually Marvolio is treated like, haha, yeah, but then, you know, go away at the end or whatever. And Olivia is still like, oh no, I forgive you. In this one, it was like, yeah, piss off, fucking lesbian. Like, oh, great. get out of this country. And yeah. <coughs> anyway, sorry, that was a digression. And this has been. I, we always digress. This has been being bitter about there queer Shakespeare. Maybe Shakespeare. half an hour of usable content. Hey, you know what I am writing, though? I'm writing a podcast um, about Antonio and Horatio. Antonio and Horatio. It's uh, gonna be a love story about Antonio and Horatio set in modern day. So if you are, or if you know any queer, trans, people of colour, actors. actors, they don't have to have experience, just wanting to try a project, please let me know. N for Nemo, M for Martin, S for Sugar. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> dot Martin at Outlook dot com. <coughs> We're also looking for two femme or female actresses of colour, preferably people who like women to be like a lesbian couple. Yeah, we've got a, quite a lot of like um, AFAB actors. We need some more AMAB actors oh. for a queer Shakespeare modern day podcast. On page. On page. There's always that. This one's about gardening. <laughs> We've spoken about gardening. It's all about gardening. He finds a spider in his garden. Oh, I remember this one. Yeah. yeah. And he said, and and it's a very large spider, black, hairy, and repellent. <laughs> Deadly long legs. <laughs> Those aren't black and hairy. Bear. It's a bear spider. It's a bear. Uh, it's a bear. <laughs> it's a bear. <laughs> 
the poor creature. It's not his fault, he said. It says that he sprains a, sprains a muscle stepping over an ant rather than stepping on it. Nereo, you piece of shit. I'm vegan. I'm vegan, actually. He doesn't even eat his waterfowl on a Friday. <laughs> also, he's he drinks seven- milk, though, so... Yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah. Also, he's 75 year- years old, but he looks no more than 60. <laughs> In the background, Victor Hugo sweats. <laughs> he has a slight crook to his back, but that doesn't mean that he's a bad person, because there was once <laughs> Pope Gregory... The 16th, at the age of 80, bore himself erect and smiling, but this did not prevent him from being a bad pope. <laughs> oh, this is when, like, yeah, if you were, had anything going on with you, like a mole, oh. people would assume, like, ah, that's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you're yeah, crippled. That's yeah, why you yeah. look like this. Mm-hmm. This is why you've got a nose like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that he's going to be like, mm-hmm. he's still good. He mm-hmm. does have a crooked back, but he's still good. <laughs> That doesn't mean he's a bad person. He's just old, okay? He may look 60, but he is 75. The last chapter begins, a last word. (laughs) (laughs) This is about him not being pantheistic. Oh, yeah. This one is quite fun because it's about that he's not, like... We've had one about the, the one about politics. This one is about the fact that he's not... He's not well read. He's not intelligent. His emphasis is kindness like he like what he seeks to be is compassionate in all ways it's uh however this may be there are men but are they men question mark who clearly discern beyond the horizon of dreamings the heights of the absolute in a capital letter who experienced the terrible vision of this infinite mountain monseigneur bienvenu was not one of these he was not a man of genius he would have mistrusted those sublimity sublimities whence certain men and very great men such as Swedenborg and Pascal have lapsed into madness. The way you read that made me think of how my housemate reads My Immortal to us with all the punctuation (laughs) and the capital letters read out (laughs) so we know. Just so you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically about his... um, there, there are men who dig for gold, he dug for compassion. To him, everything was contained in the words love one another, his whole doctrine, and he asked for no more. The senator, you remember the senator? <laughs> that one senator who he had the meal with. Oh, that the senator. one senator. I thought you were saying senator, like sanitizer. Kaiser. Like someone, like a, a like nicer Finn. word for yeah. like a cleaner. Yeah. Like the one senator. That one senator. That one senator. That one senator. I like, guys, out. Yeah. You're like trying to catch me out. Like, yeah. I know you haven't been paying yeah. attention. <laughs> you know that one senator. <laughs> yeah, that one senator is basically like you trying to be kind to everyone is folly. All men are at war. People are trying to outwit each other. Victory goes to the strongest. He says, if it is folly, then the soul must enclose itself within it like a pearl in the oyster. Which is what he did. <laughs> it's just like, okay, you be a pearl in an oyster. Monseigneur Bienvenu was simply a man who observed these mysteries from the outside, not looking too closely, not stirring them with his finger or letting them oppress his mind, but in a spirit deeply imbued with a reference for the hereafter. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Book two. Book two. The outcast. Who's that? <laughs> okay. um, Who so would that be? For next week, we're going to read in one to five, so including five. So we're not going to read 
uh, chapter six. Anyone who reads along will be able to see why we're stopping at six. Oh. One inclusive of five. One to five inclusive. One to five inclusive of five, stopping before six. This has been a good day for numbers. <laughs> um, again, th- this is, yeah, you don't have to read the chapters. You can read some, you can read none. I think we're going to try and like speed up a little bit, or not even speed up a little bit. I think there was a lot of... We're going to become more comfortable um, with the format. Yeah, kind of more comfortable with the format. And I think now that we've got quite a few small things out of the way, we won't have to repeat a lot of things. Mm. So like if religion comes up yeah. or whatever we don't have to stop and explain mm-hmm. things and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's why I think we can go faster but I think if there's like a big chapter that means a lot then we're gonna like focus and on that concluding thoughts <laughs> concluding <laughs> thoughts I don't know Muriel's been a time it's, it's, been, a, it's been a ride I'm not actually really sure how I feel about him mm. coming out the end of this because I love love loved him and then we were like mm. shady boy yeah and actually then, like I started this being like I love Fisher Muriel and I love yeah. him so much but now we've been thinking about him more mm. and like yeah I don't like him as much anymore well, it was interesting seeing his journey in those last couple chapters mm. from well I guess because we it was all like yeah mm. and then suddenly we're like oh sad sister oh this mm. revolutionary thing oh and he didn't give back these vestments that was mm. a bit weird um, and then the chapters of like he doesn't like these things that mm. at the end with like that final quote which is quite nice I guess you're mm. meant to sort of bring it back to like ah but me Ariel mm. but as someone who hasn't read it the things that we've spoken and thought about the most have been the times where it's like me was that cool yeah so yeah I'm not sure you've got to bear in mind more. as well it's coming through the the lens of me yeah well there's so also it, like that. it's also like they're going to be the things that I focus on that aren't necessarily yeah. like well, also the lens of everyone mm. else that I see yeah, yeah, speak about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's been it's been a time. Yeah. It's been a time. A couple more bits of Muriel after this, mm. and then he's gone forever. Okay. Oh, it, so I've, he's got some final chances yeah. to, like... I find it interesting that we see him as flawed, though. Like, I, mm. I like that he sees himself, that he sees that he needs redemption. Mm. That he yeah. seeks redemption from, from the revolutionary as someone who, instead of Muriel is described as someone who treats symptoms, as it were, whereas the revolutionary is described as someone who tries to, the, the only equivalent I can think of is like, like tackle an illness rather than just treating the symptoms. Mm. So he, so the bishop is, is constantly like assuaging things, like trying to make life better for the poor and that. And I think we sort of see him coming to respect the revolutionary for even though what he did was violent and what he was part of was destructive, that it's part of like a sort of a, a healing process. As well, it were. the foundations of that revolution was things are shit for everyone mm-hmm. who isn't the aristocracy. So mm-hmm. it was coming from this mm-hmm. place of like, how do we make things better? And things really quickly spiral out of control. Mm, mm, mm. There's a, a good there's a quote like about the terror in 1793. The bishop brings it up, and um, the revolutionary goes, "Ah, 1793. I thought we should come to that. The clouds had been gathering for 1500 years, and at last the storm broke. What you are condemning is just a, is just a thunderclap." 
There will be more revolution to come. A little drop of rain can hardly hurt me now. Because it's a rebellion, so it wouldn't even have been a thunderclap of a revolution. Yeah, but it, it's the... I read something recently, I think it was about... It was about um, Martin Luther King said, but it was about it was about like racism and it was about um, people resisting. I'm not going to be able to phrase this nearly as good as Martin Luther King. <laughs> <laughs> not condemning people for like violent resistance of like oppression because they're not. It's it's not them as it were. It's the well, it's the, the reaction to the yeah. It's oppression? it's it's reaction to a violence on which you are doing to a people to an extent they've been driven to this to this thing. extreme. So measure. you can't condemn people for speaking up against the injustices on which you visit them. And on that, and on that <laughs> note, <laughs> yeah. This has been Bread and Barricades, a Lemus podcast. Um, if you if you like what you hear, please donate to our Kofi K O dash F I. So if you if you like what you're listening to, if you could leave a, a comment on iTunes or if you could like like us or download or any, anything really, just on like, Tumblr or on, on Twitter, Tumblr, Twitter at Lemus podcast on the Twitter, and we are breadandbarricades.tumblr.com. Um, our email is lamerspodcasts, L-E-S-M-I-S, podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you have any questions or corrections or anything like that, please just let us know. Quibbles. Or quibbles. quibbles. Yeah. Our intro music was designed and composed by JD Wasabi, um, who you can find everywhere at JD Wasabi. Um, and if you like the intro music or if you like the Candlelight's sort of variation of it you can download it it's um pay what you can or pay what you want if you can support jade that would be really cool because she's really great and she's in the room but she's like wearing headphones and can't hear what i'm saying so we love you jade this was a captain's collections creation it was produced by me nemo martin and julian yap um who also does the transcriptions transcriptions if you need any other access accommodations please let us know um yeah and thank you. Just a bit of citrusy. (laughs) (laughs) There were dark days, there is no denying.